Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome world to Red Sky Radio and the Red Sky Radio Ranch, where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. This thing about Betsy Ross, I mean, folks, it's a flag that represented the 13 colonies at the time of our deliverance from England. A design created during the American Revolution. Yes, it was called the Betsy Ross flag. It was a sign of a fight for freedom. It had absolutely nothing to do with slavery. None whatsoever. I like what Joe Hawley said here. He's a representative uh, for, where's he from? He's probably from Texas. No, he's from Missouri. A senator from Missouri said, quote, Nike is a symbol of everything wrong with a corporate economy. They take advantage of our laws, send their jobs overseas for sweatshop wages, partner with repressive regimes, aggressively avoid paying U.S. taxes, and then tell Americans to shut up and buy their stuff. Nike should apologize to Americans for denigrating the flag. They should apologize to Missourians who lost loved ones defending that flag, and they should restart production of the Betsy Ross shoe at their facility in St. Charles, Missouri. Not to be outdone, however, that which the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good because there is a store called Nine Line Apparel. Nine Line Apparel. It's a company by veterans. Never heard of it, but I'm going to look them up. They said, hey, Nike doesn't want it. We're going to use a Betsy Ross flag. So they're starting to put the Betsy Ross flag on their T-shirts. So uh, good going. Good going. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that they're doing that. And the fact is, this whole thing. All right, this is Kaepernick's. He's a whiner. That's what he is. He's just a whining little nimrod. He said it feels that the Betsy Ross flag is an offensive symbol because of its connection to an era of slavery. Okay, you heard that. Because of its connection to an era of slavery. Okay, let's put on our thinking caps, everyone, and let's just process this a little bit. So we're no longer to ever have any pictures, any stories, any movies from the 18th century because um, 17th and 18th centuries because the ships in those pictures and movies and stories are connected to an era of slavery. Because the 17th and 18th century uh, muskets are, have a connection to an era of slavery. Because this, the cannons used in 17th and 18th uh, century Europe, uh, or 18th, 17th and 18th century, have a connection to slavery. Is this the end of our Renaissance fairs because there was slavery during the... I mean, look, so everything connected to the 17th and 18th century is now out because of its connection to slavery. This is how sick, sorry, and sad Nike is and Colin Kaepernick, who I hope never plays football again. Personally, I just hope he doesn't. I hope he's done, gone, uh, that... Well, you know what? 
I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't buy Nike shoes anymore because they're a crummy shoe, in my opinion. They've been a crummy shoe in my experience, regardless of this. So even if they change course here, they're changing course for the wrong reason. Only, they don't only change course because they're getting spanked financially, which is what I've said. Leftists and liberals only respond to financial spanking. So I call on everybody to boycott not Nike now and forever. And, of course, there's the, 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 this one sort of, I don't know, you don't think it can get any worse? Well, it gets worse. Because this is all connected to 4th of July, our independence and the Betsy Ross flag. So on MSNBC, they have a, a party on there. One of the people stated that the Betsy Ross flag is a symbol of racism and compared the flag to the swastika, and to burning crosses. I mean, you know what? I just don't know how more stupid the left can get. When you have a reprobate mind, you have no mind anymore. You're just a talking head. I mean, you're just, uh, uh, do these people just only talk when their batteries are functioning somewhere connected to some device that tells them what to say? Now, they they said, these th this party uh, host, Hallie Jackson, saying that the flag is a well-known symbol of white supremacy, even though few Americans and few historians have heard about it. Well, that's an interesting statement. This is a sign of white supremacy, even though no one knows about it. Then it isn't a sign of white supremacy if no one knows about it. Look, they're absolute morons. The swastika stood for German racism and, a, and an oppressive regime that sought to export its oppressiveness. That's what it stood for. The, the flag doesn't stand for 13 colonies that broke away from a country from which slavery came, England. England started that slave trade. We broke from a country and paid a price in trying to break further bands of that country because slavery wasn't done away with right away. But the issue at the time wasn't slavery. The issue was the 27 things that showed up in the Declaration of Independence as oppressive acts by the king. Look, you start with the most oppressive things and you go from there. And we finally got it right. But the flag never stood for for. Uh, for slavery. It never stood for anything close to the swastika or a burning cross, which only has one meaning. The Betsy Ross flag stood there for racism. Uh, you know, okay. And it stood there for something that, according to MSNBC, nobody knows about it. Nope. Nobody knows about this symbol of racism. Yeah, until you, MSNBC, made it up. And your loser guess that you got on that program. Well, okay, so here's, what's his name? Julian Castro, former San Antonio mayor. San Antonio stinks as a city. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it, it has gone so bad so far south. Julian Castro. He's got the right last name. All right, Castro. This is a guy during the debate who said that tranny men, Tranny men, in other words, guys who now have supposedly transitioned to being women are an absolutely entitled to the right of abortion. That is a fact, folks. That's what Julian, Mr. Mental Giant Castro, said. Guys born as men who now identify as women are entitled to abortions. This guy is going to be a president? Man, let me out. If that happens, they say the flag, the Betsy Ross flag is akin to the Confederate flag. Now, that's an interesting comment and argument because the Confederate flag stood for many things, one of which the biggest of which was states rights, but included in that states rights was the right to have slaves. I understand. I get it. But who did the South fight against the North? The North was opposed to slavery. The Betsy Ross flag was not a predecessor or a precursor 
to the Confederate flag. It was a predecessor and precursor to the flag of the United States flown by the North that was fighting against the South and the Confederate flag. Are all leftists just this stupid? Are they all this dumb? Well, I'll tell you. Maybe Kaepernick thinks it's a sign of racism or uh, white nationalism or whatever the heck they want to call it to somehow try to divide this country further, which is exactly what people animated by the, the enemy of our souls, Satan, would do. But I want to tell you, I like a president that salutes our flags and salutes our history. Do we get everything right? No. What nation has done more to try to get the things that has done wrong right? This nation. This nation. Well, it's sad to say that on the Gallup poll, just ahead of our 4th of July independence celebration, they revealed that there's a a historic low of people who are proud to be Americans. 45% 45% people say that they are no longer proud to be an American. And who's the result of that? Go look at your, your government schools who, who teach the anti-American, multiculturalistic crapola as education when in reality it's simply indoctrination. Go look at the courts who even our founding fathers said they will usurp our authority and our rights a little bit at a time, and we won't know that we're getting sucked into their power vortex. That's my my uh, paraphrasation, if you will. Go look at the courts. Go look at the Democrat Party. They are Democrats. People have given me flack for calling them Democrats. I'm saying it prophetically, and if you've watched any of the debates, you can see how much they absolutely hate our country in the quest for absolute, total, maniacal control. That's all the left is about, is control. But this is why the poll says what it says. That there are this many Americans. Look, this economy has not been this good in forever. It's better than under Reagan. Never has there been such a historic unemployment low among Hispanics. Never has there been such a historic unemployment low among blacks. Never has have we prospered like we have here in the in the couple of years under Donald Trump. And no, it has nothing to do with Barack Hussein, anti-American, Christian-hating Obama. Not a thing. That guy hates his country. We know it. His comments about the lack of American exceptionalism. And so what does he and his left-wing minions produce? They produce things like the Antifa beating of the man with the crowbar in Portland. And all the Christians and just conservatives that get beaten up by those who call themselves anti-fascists, who in reality are the ultimate fascists. I'm glad that they're getting arrested for some of their violence, but shame on Oregon. I'm going to call it Oregon until Oregon starts getting things right. Then I'll start calling the name Oregon. But the Portland mayor, who is such a loser, gutless, leftist, whiner, my goodness sakes, how can you people in Oregon be so stupid as to vote somebody like that in? you got a lot of nice people and great people in that state. It's just that you're in a distinct minority and you all live to the east of the Cascades, it seems like. I love what Harmeet Dillon, the lawyer representing the journalist that was beaten up by Antifa in Portland last week. I loved what she said. She wrote, Good night, everyone, except Antifa criminals who I plan to sue into oblivion and then sow salt into their yoga studios and their avocado toast stands until nothing grows there, not even the glimmer of a violent criminal conspiracy aided by the effete impotence of a cowed city government, end quote. Nice going. Nice nice going here, Harmeet, to have the guts to tell it like it is and throw it right back into their face. 
Don't go away because when we come back, we are going to zero in on the importance of July 4th, our Declaration of Independence, what our founders meant, what it means for them then, what it means for us now, and what you are going to be called upon to do. Do not go away. We'll be right back. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. We are back. This is Rob Walter with Red Sky Radio. I'll continue to play these Bob Seger songs. Bob Seger, one of my, kind of one of my favorites growing up and still is, played his last concert last week at 70, what, one or 71, two years old, or don't know what he is, but a uh, great musician, love it. And I continue to use his song as long as I can, I guess, till the Lord leads me otherwise. Anyway, the founding of our country, and I want to start with a piece of good news at the beginning of the second segment. And it deals with the president's speech. If you happen to hear it on July 4th, this program is being recorded on July 5th for dissemination later today and on July 6th and elsewhere around the world, different places. So it's I'm as close to the holiday and the speech as I can be. Always a little bit of a question for me when I have a holiday and a holiday-themed message do I do it before the holiday or after? Well, it depends, you know, when that holiday falls. If it's close just before the time of the broadcast, I'll do it on that broadcast after the event. But if otherwise, well, you know what I'm trying to say. Maybe you don't, but it doesn't matter. Let's get going here. I digressed. I thought the speech was a good one. It wasn't great. It was a good speech. It was a necessary speech. The left had fits because a couple of tanks were on the street in Washington. They thought, is this a coup? Why are we having a military? This looks like a dictator. Goodness sakes. Um, you know, they were afraid it was going to be a political speech. They said they're going to use the military as a political speech. There wasn't anything political about a speech. Unless, unless you listening to this program on the left who think that everything patriotic is political. And you left-wingers, you left-wing nuts, you do think that. You do think that whatever is patriotic is political. Because for whatever reason you have failed in life or whatever whatever it is that hasn't gone your way and you've got to find uh, somebody to blame because you play the blame game because well, it doesn't matter whatever happens wrong with you, you, you're the victim. You've never, ever once been the result of your own actions. you got to find a, and point a finger at somebody else who's responsible. That's eh, this country. It's our racism, blah, 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 blah. Well, I'll tell you, racism didn't stop Ben Carson and a gazillion other blacks and Hispanics that have prospered in this country in a way, quite frankly, that they would never prospered in Africa or Mexico. Yeah, there's some transition pain, but they're where they are because of this great country and the opportunities here. So what President Trump did is he showed honor to the military. And people said, 
what is why is the military such a central focus of a July 4th celebration? Now, again, for you on the left, I want you to just sit down, settle down, and follow me through a very, very simple train of thought which should answer the question and assuage your concerns, your fears, and hopefully cease the foaming at the mouth. Independence Day. That's what our July 4th is. Independence Day was about celebrating what? Our independence, right? I mean, for you know, if I got to read this, I guess maybe, or just give you a quick overview of the 4th of July. This is for our foreign listeners. You probably know this, that the 4th of July commemorates the adoption of the Declaration of Independence in 1766, declaring our independence from Great Britain. Now, the legal separation actually occurred on July 2nd, when the Second uh, Continental Congress voted to approve a resolution of independence that had been proposed by Richard Henry Lee of Virginia back in June, declaring the United States independent from Great Britain. But after voting for independence, Congress turns its attention to the Declaration of Independence, a statement explaining the decision, with Thomas Jefferson as its principal author, though he was one of a committee of five. So these are not all Jefferson's words. Then Congress debated revising the wording of the Declaration, finally approved it on July 4th. Okay, there's your history. End of history. Now let's go back to why it was appropriate for Donald Trump, our president, to honor the military on July 4th. Point A, Independence Day does what? It celebrates our independence. Everybody got that? B, the war. Our war of independence was fought by the military. The military was the necessary, critical, vital ingredient to gain independence. And the military is a continued vital, if not critical, necessity to maintain independence. The three points, you got it? On Independence Day, we celebrate independence. Number two, it was the military that was a critical element and, and uh, along with the pastors, which we talked about last week, the, but a necessary element to gain independence, and it's the military that's a vital, if not critical, uh, component to maintain independence. Three points. It's that simple for those on the left. Now, if you ever have a chance to hear uh, Bill Federer, I had a chance to hear him last week, meet him and talk with him. He is a great historian. So I want to borrow from something that he wrote here uh, yesterday. And it is, and I'm just going to read uh, from his piece, and then I'm going to interject my thoughts as we go along, because it's critical as we understand who we are, where we came from, where we're going, and what it is that we have to do. He writes, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams both served in the Continental Congress, and both signed the Declaration of Independence. Both served as U.S. ministers in France. One was elected the second president, the other the third president. Once political enemies, they became close friends later in life. An awe swept America when they both died on the same day, July 4th, 1826, exactly 50 years since they've each signed the Declaration of Independence. I want to stop there for a second because Jeb Bush came out. Bush, another loser. Gosh, I, the, the, the farther in time I get, looking back, the, the less I think of the Bush family. But Jeb tweets out on July 4th, is three presidents have died on July 4th. Is this a coincidence? What is he talking about other than the hope that maybe Donald Trump would have a heart attack before the day was over? Jeb, you'll reap what you sow. 
Jefferson's handwritten, I'm going back to quoting, Jefferson's handwritten Declaration of Independence used the word inalienable, writes, John Adams hand-copied Jefferson's draft and changed the spelling to unalienable, writes. You see, at this time, they were still not quite friends. They were on the same side, but they weren't friends. So Adams is correcting what he believes is a misspelling of, of Jefferson's. The fact is, I think the dictionary actually permits both unalienable and inalienable, simply meaning that that which cannot be given or taken away. In other words, if our liberties are given to us by God, then the government of the United States cannot take them away. Simple as that. A while later, I mean, actually, I'm sorry, a while later, a week after both Jefferson and Adams passed away, on July 11th, 1826, John Quincy Adams wrote an executive order that said, A coincidence so wonderful gives confidence that the patriotic efforts of these men were heaven-directed and furnishes a new hope that the prosperity of these states is under the special protection of a kind providence. These are the kind of, end of quote, those are the kind of leaders we had. Now, I want to go back. I want to read something that John Adams wrote a week before the Declaration was signed. He said, Statesman, quote, June 21st, 1776, quote, Statesmen may plan and speculate for liberty, but it is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue. Virtue. And if this cannot be inspired into our people, they may change their rulers, they may change their forms of government, but they will not obtain a lasting liberty. End quote. Listen to what the, these are the prophetic words of people that a lot of people say, ah, they weren't Christians, they were deists. You know what? Other than for their own souls, I don't care whether they were deists or Christians. If they are inspired and moved by the hand of God, God's turning their hearts, whether soever he desires, like the rivers of, of the water in the river, then so be it. And it, this, he said, it's only a goodness now, Adams doesn't define goodness, whether it's the goodness that comes from knowing Jesus Christ or it's those who have a, have a sense of morality but don't have a personal relationship. He's saying only this can inspire our people. But you change rulers and forms of government. If the people aren't virtuous, then there will be no change in the form of government to accomplish that. So that's the week before the Declaration was signed. On July 1st, Adams addressed the Continental Congress and says as follows, quote, Before God, I believe the hour has come. All that I have and all that I am and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready here to stake upon it. Live or die, survive or perish, I am for the Declaration. It is my living sentiment and by the blessing of God, it shall be my dying sentiment. Independence now and independence forever. End quote. These were the passionate hearts of the, the men who framed this Constitution. Did they get everything perfect? No. Is it a, a step in the right direction? Yeah, by about 90% from the monarchy. And then I need to give due credit to Jefferson here for something he wrote, and in fact, it is inscribed in the Jefferson Memorial. And it indeed is a warning to those who follow Jefferson, and we follow him, right? A couple hundred years later, but we follow him. And we're, we still follow, he said, and I quote, God gave us life, the God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, 
I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. End quote. Wow. These men were not only brilliant, they probably unbeknown to them were speaking prophetically. They were because our founding fathers were clearly inspired by God, whether they knew God or not. They they were inspired by him. And this is what I said about Trump. I don't know if he has a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I do know that God is putting things into his heart that God wants. And why? Because there are a whole bunch of people praying that God would do that very thing. Now, I find this odd. I, 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 we do have a fair number of listeners in Europe. Many, many people have their or, European origins that live in this country. One side of my family have the grandparents that were born in the Netherlands, escaped because of religious persecution through my great-grandparents on that side. But the thing that I actually appreciate Europe the most for and you're going to find this very strange, is it's prosecution and persecution of Protestant Christians because it got so bad, it forced those brave souls to embark on a dangerous journey, an unknown journey across a big ocean in ships that were not well suited to that kind of a task and risk it all for the glory of God and to escape the persecution of Europe to establish a country of freedom in the new world. So consider this, and this is our challenge. So we live in a land founded by these men in 1776, inspired by God. No question about it. This land was inspired by people who were inspired by God. And these men were in putting form in the, in the context of a constitution to that which people came here for, and that is to form a union based upon the principles of, the, of Scripture. But as much as it was inspired by God, here's the challenge that that arises from uh, actually any great endeavor that is founded by inspiration is that to continue that endeavor requires perspiration. Can that which was created by inspiration by one generation be sustained by the perspiration of successive generations? Those are my words. Well, maybe they're God's words. I'm saying I'm not quoting anybody here. You see, we, we do have to be inspired periodically to attend to the duty of maintaining this country. But periodically, frankly, means what? All the time. As it was said, eternal vigilance. Eternal vigilance. Not once a week. Not once a year on the 4th of July. But eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. But the left functions like termites. They munch away day and night, destroying our freedoms. And whether you call it the left, whether you call it Democrats, as I do, whether you call it socialists, whether you call it Antifa, there is one thing that is very clear, and that is the enemy of Christianity, the enemies that are rising up in this country, they are all about control. They seek control of all mankind, all mankind. And when I have said in the past that the left is animated by the devil himself. See, gun control is about control, right? Obamacare was about controlling health care. Everything the left does is about controlling humanity. And if you think that it is too broad of a stretch to say that Satan animates, gives life to the left. Consider what's 
is said about Satan himself when it comes to the issue of control. Consider this passage from Isaiah 14, verses 13 and 14. For the word says, for thou, and he's speaking about, well, let me start from verse 12 to give you the context. How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, how art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. Stop right there. That is Satan's attempt. That's his goal is to weaken the nations through one little question. Yea, hath God really said. From the Garden of Eden to the textbooks in California, in everything that is contrary to the word of God is really in the context of, yea, hath God really said. No, he didn't. There isn't a God, and if he didn't mean it and he was wrong or what have you, but we have our scholars to instruct us. We have our teachers. We have our, in essence, false prophets. Because as the missionaries of Satan, they are in the process and with a purpose of weakening the nations, one of which is the United States. Because what nation would you seek to weaken but that nation which appears to be the strongest? Okay, back to Scripture, verse 13. For thou, meaning Satan, Lucifer, has said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. End quote. And to which all those eyes, I would say, ay, ay, ay. This is an insight into Satan. He is all about himself, desiring to control that which defeated him at the cross, that which has always defeated him before the cross. He, Satan, has one goal, control, to be in charge of everything, to force people to worship a different God himself, specifically, in his various forms, and prohibit the worship of the one true God who is greater than he because he's just a jealous, well, you fill in the blank. He's all about control. The Democrat Party in this country is all about control. Who do you think animates the Democrat Party and why I call them Democrats? Okay? Well, so here's where we are. As the battle, the battle of the ages rages, it just continues. You see, what Jefferson and Adams fought to create, we now have to fight to maintain. Our God reigns. Our God wins. But it's a perplexing question to me and to many of us. Why does God see fit to test us? Uh, every generation, why does do the forces of good battle the forces of evil every generation? In Jefferson's and Adams, on through succeeding generations, right up to our own. Why is does the battle of the ages continue to rage? Because it's not over yet. You know, I that question about why does God see fit to test us? Why does he seem to want to sometimes have us prove uh, just how much we love him by incurring the wrath and the persecution? Why does he want to test us and try us the way he does? I know the scripture that says that he will not allow us to be tested or tried above and beyond that which we are able to withstand, and with that also provide a way of escape which I might add, as we are going through the tribulation, and we do forget that pre-trib garbage, none of that is true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm sorry. Spoken and preached by people with good heart and good intent, but it's from the enemy. There's not one shred of evidence for a pre-trib rapture in Scripture. Uh, my book makes that clear, but not because it's my book, but because God gave me that which to put in that book to prove that point. The rapture revisited 
Finally, a lawyer takes a look at end time events. Enough of that. Only to say that that which we are tried and tested, he does provide a way of escape that we are able to withstand. It's not the way I want it, folks. It's not my choice. I would like this easy life where we just sort of, we, we stay in great health and everything is flawless. Our skin doesn't wrinkle. Nobody has to have any makeovers or anything. And we just sort of transition from one perfect life into another perfect life. It is not that way. Because the, while we are regenerated in the spirit, and while our bodies can do spectacular things when anointed by God, like one of my favorites, Elijah, outrunning Ahab's chariot. And Caleb, having the strength at age 85 that he had when he was 40. All inspiring. But eventually, we all give it up. Eventually, this temple, our body, does wear out and surrenders. We are called home at an appointed time. And so we aren't going to go from one perfect world into another. So here's my conclusion to the matter. Because without those trials and without those tests, upon what basis would God ever have to give out rewards? Upon what basis would he have to honor those who have done superbly and under trying circumstances and and should they not be awarded accordingly? So don't, don't try to deny yourself the great reward that it would be to hold fast and stand firm in the midst of great tribulation. For Paul says the tribulation is short and brief and light compared to the glory that awaits us. You see, what it comes down to is God would have no basis upon which to declare upon our entrance into heaven or to say to us when we arrive, quote, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If it was easy, there would be nothing that we have done well, particularly. And if it were easy, there would be nothing over which we needed to remain faithful. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to a piece of American history. I hope it has inspired you to do and maintain that which was created by our founders. God bless you all. See you next week. Remember, sit tall in the saddle. You ride for the brand, brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you.
KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. This hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. Labor Secretary Alex Acosta defends his actions concerning a plea deal for billionaire Jeffrey Epstein. Labor Secretary Alex Acosta says in 2008, when he was U.S. attorney in South Florida, he and his prosecutors prevented local prosecutors from letting billionaire Jeffrey Epstein walk on sex trafficking charges. Letting what the state attorney was ready to do go forward would have been absolutely Awful. Acosta says just a threat of federal charges forced Epstein to a state plea deal that included some jail time and being labeled a sex offender. The billionaire now faces federal sex charges in New York that could land him in prison for the rest of his life. Tim McGuire, Washington. Residents of the Gulf Coast along Texas, Mississippi, and Louisiana are being warned to go to higher ground as a tropical depression heads northwest, possibly impacting New Orleans, which has already been hit by heavy weather. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards says its possible levees along the Mississippi will be overtopped when the approaching tropical storm hits. Right now we're asking everyone in, in uh, the southern part of Louisiana, especially along the coast, to take this very seriously. Forecasters expect a broad area of disturbed weather in the Gulf to become stronger this weekend when it threatens the region with torrential rain. Fed Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell signaling that interest rate cuts may be on the horizon. In his twice-a-year report to Congress, Powell sending signals that a rate cut is on the way. Growth in business investment seems to have slowed notably, and overall growth in the second quarter appears to have moderated. The slowdown in business fixed investment may reflect concerns about trade tensions and slower growth in the global economy. Analysts see that as a sign the Fed is ready to cut interest rates for the first time in a decade, possibly later this month. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines reporting. Wall Street liked what it heard. The Dow was up by 77 points. The Nasdaq up 61. More at townhall.com. When it comes to your pain, many of you might be skeptical, like I was, about ordering Relief Factor. Pat Boone again for this wonderful 100% drug-free supplement designed to help your own body lower or eliminate occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, everyday living. I'm not skeptical any longer. The three-week quick start is now discounted to only $19.95. Why don't you let us see if we can get you out of pain, too, at relieffactor.com. Baseball season is in full swing. It's a good thing Matt secured his denture with Super Polygrip. Now he can enjoy the snacks as much as the game. Polygrip. Hey, how are you? So great to see you. It's that time of year when the family meets up. Hi, come on. Get together, guys. Family photo. It's a good thing Jack cleans his denture with Polydent so he can enjoy the whole day with confidence. Polydent. A new poll shows military veterans back President Trump, but many are wary of his judgment. The Pew Research poll, which measured the political opinions of former service members, showed high levels of support for President Trump on a range of policies, from border security to his dealings with North Korea, NATO, and Russia. However, many veterans believe he doesn't listen enough to military leaders, and they distrust his decisions on the use of force. 57% of veterans approved of Trump's leadership as commander-in-chief, compared with 41% of Americans overall. Women, younger veterans, and Democrats generally were more skeptical of the president's respect for veterans. Shelley Adler, Washington. The modern edition of the iconic Volkswagen Beetle ceased production today, but people on the outskirts of Mexico City still rely on the original, no-frills version, praising it for its affordability and repairability. News and analysis at townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters in Washington. KKXX, Paradise. K280GL, Chico. And K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Well, well, well go on, Nancy. Tell us your big news. Oh, yeah. I bet it's a new job, isn't it? Uh, you're moving away, oh, huh? Like I think she's lost weight. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 it's none of that. I, well, Mike and I just wanted to let you all know that we're expecting. It is so exciting when you or someone you know shares good news like that. And most would-be moms would celebrate in that kind of a moment. But what if the incredible joy that was expected was going to be tarnished by feelings of guilt or shame from the past? 
This is Focus on the Family with Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, today we're going to hear from a woman who uh, was not beyond God's reach. What I love about God's goodness and grace is that not one of us is beyond His reach. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to turn to you right now, and if you've had things in your past that have brought you down or that you struggle with, you need to listen to today's program because we have a woman who was brokenhearted, and the Lord restored her after a real prodigal journey. Our guest is Jennifer Palomino. She's an author, health fitness instructor, and mother of two. Jennifer, welcome to Focus Thank on the Family. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Now, with that uh, opening there, this was an interesting moment in your life when you found out you were pregnant, but it brought up some amazing uh, emotions for you. Go back for us and tell us uh, what started uh, your journey in a wrong direction. Well, my childhood was great, but then when I was 12 is when everything changed. And I was with my older sister, and she had gotten into the wrong crowd, and she was 15 then. And I went with her with a group of boys into this apartment, and she was hanging out. She was dating one of the guys. And she left with the boy, and she left me with these five guys in this apartment. And they were all smoking pot, and they were drinking, and... um, they asked me to go try on a pair of jeans in the back bedroom. Now, there was no electricity. They couldn't pay their bills. There was no furniture. It was just this empty apartment. And I was a scared little 12-year-old girl, and I went in the back room, and I thought, do I try them on? Do I not? What do I do? You know. So I pretended like I tried them on real quick. And when I came out of the bathroom, the boys threw me on the bed. There was a bed in there. And then the one boy um, that my sister had been dating came in and he said, no, leave her alone. She's 12 years old. Get off of her. So he really pulled me out of there and mm-hmm. saved me. Mm-hmm. So That, but, though, uh, really changed your outlook about mm-hmm. uh, men. Uh, here you are in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. This was probably terrifying for you. It was. How did you process those next few hours and days and what happened? Did you share this with anybody? You know, I didn't because... I didn't want to get my sister in trouble. So I didn't say anything. And I just bottled it up and thought, well, it happened and, you know, life goes on type of thing. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, uh, when something like this happens to mm-hmm. a person, it can be either a girl or a boy, but mm-hmm. when this kind of exploitation occurs, this kind of abuse, mm-hmm. it can steer you in a direction emotionally that is hard to recover from. Is that what happened in your case? It really did. and. Unfortunately, I didn't realize it. Being 12 years old, I just thought, okay, well, you know, bad things happen, and I don't want to get my sister in trouble. That was Mm. the big thing. So I just didn't tell anybody. But then I went on to really, I guess, bottle up those feelings, and I started looking for boyfriend and stuff. And so when I was 15, I started dating this older guy. He was 18 on his way to college. And we dated a little bit, but it was always about partying and going out and he would get me drunk and then wound up I got date raped. So it was really difficult. And again, I didn't tell anybody because I was so ashamed. You feel like it's your fault, especially when you're dating the person. In that context, Mm -hmm. uh, the question in many people's minds listening to your story Mm -hmm. would have to be your mom and dad. How were they engaged or disengaged at this point? I mean, you're 15 dating an 18-year-old boy. As a father, I, I would try to be really... Uh, managing that. Well, unfortunately, they didn't even know who I was dating. My mom wound up having four more children after the first three, so she had seven. So I think they were so busy, number one. Number two, they trusted me. And Mm. when I said I was with my girlfriends, they thought that's where I was. But of course, I was lying and Mm. I was out with my boyfriend or drinking Mm. or something else. So unfortunately, they trusted me and I broke that trust. Mm. Uh, Jennifer, when you look at that situation, Mm. being that 12-year-old little girl and having perhaps that normal development occur where you wouldn't have the self-esteem issues that would Mm. develop from that, do you look at that and say you were seeking an affirmation from a male? Is that why then all this began to unravel for you in your teen years? You were seeking male affirmation? I believe I was. I really do. I believe that when I was 12, that really changed my whole outlook. So then I think I realized that men really wanted one thing. Mm. That was definitely a changing point in my life is when that happened to me with those four boys. But then after that, I really did seek that affirmation. 
And then I started ninth grade, went to high school, and met, I thought, the love of my life. Mm. So we dated this guy for over a year, and then I became pregnant. And I didn't want to tell anybody. Again, I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Now, growing up in the Christian home, I knew that abortion was wrong. My sister had just had her baby, but I saw what it did to my family, too, and they supported her 100%, my parents did, and financially and everything. But I saw how hard it was, too, on them, even in the church, people looking at the Christian family, and, you know, there's the teenage girl who got pregnant. And so I think, you know, 30-something years ago, it was still a little different. People weren't as accepting. Mm. So I didn't want to embarrass them, I think, again, too. So what happened? What steps did so, you take? Well, my boyfriend and, and his older sister really pushed me to get the abortion. And I fought it for months, and I didn't do it till I was four and a half months along. Mm. They finally convinced me, and I got on a plane. I flew to Honolulu. My parents never knew I cut school that day. And I went to the clinic, and I had the abortion done. And the whole time I cried, and I thought, oh, if I just had somebody, if somebody had been there to say, don't do it, I probably wouldn't have. So. Mm -hmm. But there was no. nobody. No. No, there was nobody there. So I got back on the plane, came home. My parents never knew a thing, never knew I cut school or been off the island for that matter. Mm. And I just hid it. Nobody knew. Nobody knew except for, you know, my boyfriend and his sister. But um, Jennifer, I mean, that pain is still so raw yeah. for you. And I think most women and men uh, who go through something like that, they can feel that ache in your heart yeah. with the decision that you made. If you could roll that clock back, what do you wish you would have heard somebody say? Oh, wow. Well, if one person would have said, hey, you don't have to do this, I can help you, or, um, you know, you can put your baby up for adoption or something instead, mm -hmm. that would have been great. But unfortunately, I wasn't around that kind of a group of teenagers or friends or, or people at that point. Mm -hmm. And I had really shut my parents out because I didn't want to embarrass them for what I've done you know, in the past. Mm. So, so I couldn't go to them either. The thought of suicide, did you ever think of taking your life? Was that yes. because, again, everything emotionally is imploding on you? You can't mm -hmm. live up to the standard that your mom and dad were raising you by. I'm sure you felt yeah. enormous guilt. How did you manage that? Did you have feelings of maybe getting out of this life? Oh, definitely. I did. When I was actually, it was a few months after the abortion. So take you back to when I was probably 16, maybe 17. And um, in Hawaii, the subdivisions are pretty spread out, but they were building a new subdivision down our road. And I walked down there with a little razor blade, and I thought, okay, this is mm -hmm. it. I can't take this anymore. And I started scratching my wrist and stuff, but I couldn't do it because my father had taught me that if you take your life, you'll go to hell. And being raised, you know, in the Catholic first and then Christian home, I thought, okay, if I die, I'm going to go to hell, and I don't want to burn in hell. So that was really what saved my life because I was so scared of that. Mm. So my twisted you know, mentality actually saved my life. And you're 16 at this point, 17? I was 16. 16. Yes. 16 years old. And now you're bottled up. I mean, now yeah. you have all these secrets, Jennifer, mm -hmm. which again, I think as you begin to think of someday being married, this begins to play into the long-term issues that you face over the next 10, 15 years, Definitely. right? Definitely. Tell yeah. us about those emotions, not sharing what happened at 12 the date rape, and then the situation of having an abortion. That had to be imploding in on you because you knew what was right as a Christian, being Definitely. raised in a Christian home. Exactly. How did you process all this? Not in a good way, unfortunately. Instead, I just continued down that spiral path and just got farther and farther away from God, and I wound up um, just dating different guys, going from one bad relationship to the next mm. to the next. And I graduated high school finally, and I decided to take a trip with a couple of my friends all through the South Pacific. I took my own little journey, and we went to Fiji, Tonga, and then back to Hawaii.